Well, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to the New Testament book of Acts. Acts chapter 10 is where we will be uh, this morning. And uh, as you are turning there, I do want to share uh, just a couple of things uh, with you. Um, uh, number one, how about my Texas Tech Red Raiders? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, appreciate that. And, uh, uh, but uh, seriously, I uh, do want to share this. I um, uh, want to encourage you to be praying for our music ministry because in the next couple of days, several in our music ministry uh, will be traveling to New York City. And they will be singing and performing at Carnegie Hall. And so, yeah, pretty good. Let's give a hand clap of praise for that. And so uh, they'll be leaving in the next uh, several days, few days, and they'll be gone for several days as well. But please remember uh, Josh and as he leads our team and pray for them that they'll be uh, safe, but also it'll be a wonderful, wonderful uh, experience. And so we're so grateful for uh, that opportunity. And I want to echo what Britton said earlier uh, to all of our veterans. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for your service uh, to our country. Um, we do not take our freedoms lightly, and we have you to thank for serving in our armed forces. And I want to say to you, thank you so much for serving. And so with that said, I have uh, titled today's message, because it is this Veterans Day weekend, I've titled today's message, God is looking for a few good men and women. God is looking for a few good men and women. Now, some of you may be saying to yourself right now, Pastor, uh, that's not the title of the sermon that was found in your weekly word that you sent out. And that's not the title of the sermon that you have on our marquee out on the corner of Union and Mansfield. And I would say, you are correct. You are a wise individual. <laughs> Um, because that is what, what, you read, what you read in my weekly word and what you read on our marquee was this, God's timing is perfect. Now, um, so that title was actually the title of the message that I preached yesterday at a women's conference uh, at Epworth-by-the-Sea, and I uh, unfortunately gave my administrative assistance the wrong uh, title, and I did not really recognize that, so I apologize to you for changing uh, the title of this message, and I can tell this has totally destroyed many of you um, with, with that being said, but I do want to let you know we are talking about um, a, a, that God is looking for a few good men and women, but, but one other thing that I want to share before I dive into our text, and, and I do want to uh, offer a sincere apology for something that I said last Sunday. Um, have you ever said something that in your mind it sounds really good, but when it comes out of your mouth, you're like, that might have been the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. You ever done that before? Unfortunately, sometimes that's kind of public for me, and so I just want to apologize. Last, last Sunday, I said, I said, stats show um, that if the husband, the father, the man of the family, if he is one for Christ, then about 85% chance that you're going to win the entire family for Christ. And that's a true stat. And what I was trying to encourage men, they're trying to get them to, you know, hey, be on fire for Christ, win your family for Christ. But then I said something along the lines that says, but if you were to win the wife, the mom, uh, the, the, um, uh, the, 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 the female in the family, then the odds of you winning the entire family aren't that good. Now that is just a stat, but unfortunately you can misinterpret that. 
And I, I think I unintentionally offended some females and some ladies last Sunday. And I, I, I live with a house full of women. <laughs> and, and sometimes men, sometimes we say things we shouldn't say. Can I get an amen? Ladies, can I get an amen? amen? Oh, wow, that was pretty strong. <laughs> but seriously, I, I, I said something that, that could have been interpreted as if I was being arrogant towards men and that it only matters if you win men for Christ. And that's, that's not the case, and that's not what I meant to say. Because here's what I do believe, and here's what I see, is that if it weren't for women, yeah, I got an amen, yeah. <laughs> Uh, If it weren't for women, one, we all wouldn't be here, but two, many women take care of the ministries in the church. And ladies, if it wasn't for you, seriously, our church would not be where it is. And I dare not criticize or critique or offend uh, intentionally. I don't ever intend to do that. Um, How could we ever fault a female, a mom who is a single mom doing the best that she can? Working one, two, maybe multiple jobs, raising a family, doing the best that she can. How can we fault a divorced uh, mom who's who's the husband, the man, the, 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 is not there. And ladies, if that's you, and if that's your situation, I just wanna let you know, I'm sorry if I offended you, and I wanna let you know that I'm for you. And this church is for you. And you continue to pour into your sons, and you continue to pour into your daughters, you pour the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you do what you can. You do it, and you hold your head up high because God sees you. God sees you, and one day you will receive your reward. So moms, single moms, divorced moms, whatever it is, you are loved and you are highly valued. Amen? So please accept my apology, and just to remind you, my Red Raiders won. So there you go. So today I want to talk about God is looking for a few good men and women uh, to use. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, we read a text that many of you are familiar with, you know it, um, some of you have it memorized, some of you, when I, when I say this, you're going to, it's going to ring a bell in your head. And 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says this, for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth, or some translations say, to fro, to everywhere, The eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong to those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. All throughout scripture, you will see that God is looking for men and women to use for his glory. That is one of the story, one of the subsets of the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. That God is looking for people to use to continue the message and the ministry and the mission of Jesus Christ himself. You think about this, when Jesus was on the earth, God worked through Jesus' physical body, amen? 
Uh, Jesus healed God, uh, Jesus delivered, Jesus brought salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection. And God worked specifically through the hands and the feet of Jesus when he was physically on this earth. But once Jesus died, once he was buried, but once he rose from the grave on that third day, and when he ascended into heaven over 40 days later, some things changed. No longer is Jesus' physical body on this earth. But through the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit, who indwells and fills every believer in Jesus Christ, once you become a believer, you are now the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. And so even though Jesus physically isn't on this earth, you are his hands and his feet, and God works through his people. This is a part of his plan. And God is looking God is looking all throughout the earth for men, for women, from Americans to Russians to um, Iranians to Palestinians. He's looking for people to use because God works through people. One of my favorite authors uh, is a man by the name of E.M. Bounds, and I've shared his name before, and he wrote a book called The Power of Prayer. And he said something that's been, I guess you could say it's kind of a life quote for me that I try to live by as much as I possibly can. Ian Bounds said this. He said, men are always looking for better methods, but God is looking for better people. Meaning this, you and I, we look for techniques we look for ministries, we look for other avenues to do things for God, but here's what God wants. God wants you. God's looking for men. God's looking for women that he can use because all throughout scripture, God uses people. And so that's what I wanna talk about today as we look at Acts chapter 10. Because when we look at Acts chapter 10, we are going to see God use a man by the name of Peter. And we looked at this last week, uh, part of chapter 10, but we if we remember, in chapter 10, God uses Peter to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And here in chapter 10, and I said this last week, that chapter 10 is one of the most important chapters in the book of Acts, if not the entire book of the Bible. If you were to ask me, Chris, Pastor Chris, if you could preach 10 sermons on 10 different texts, what would you preach? One of them would be from Acts chapter 10. This is that important. Because this is our story. If you are a Gentile, which means, it really means you're not Jewish. If you're not a Jew, then you are a Gentile. Then Acts chapter 10 is your story. Because here in Acts 10, when Peter takes the gospel to Cornelius, a Gentile Cornelius, and we'll see in his family, becomes believers in Jesus Christ. This is the story of the gospel coming to uh, the Gentile people so that because of Acts chapter 10, the gospel has come to Brunswick. Because of Acts chapter 10, the gospel has come to Darien. It's come to Nahana. It's come to Athens. Uh, there in, in my hometown of La Mesa, Texas, there is a small town about, about 70 miles north, northeast of, of my hometown, La Mesa, and the name of that town is, is she ready? The name of the town is Earth. That's the name of it. It has a population of 323. But listen, because of Acts chapter 10, the gospel is able to go to all the earth. Because, yeah, thank you, one person got that little humor there, thank you, I appreciate that. 
But because of Acts chapter 10, the gospel comes to us. This is our story. This is where we come from. And God used Peter to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Well, let me review verses one through 16 with you rather quickly, and then we're gonna work our way through verses 17 through 48. Are y'all with me this morning? Now bear with me as we take as we kind of review a couple of, th- a couple of these things. Um, in verses 1 through 16 of Acts chapter 10, we have two visions and we have two calls from God. The first vision is to Cornelius the centurion, who is a, a military man. A vision comes to Cornelius, who is a Gentile. He fears God, but he's not a believer in Jesus Christ. And God says to Cornelius, you go find Peter. And he tells Cornelius where to find Peter, and he says, Peter has a message for you and your family. You need to go find him and bring him back home. Well, this Gentile, this man named Cornelius, when he hears this vision from God, he says, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do, and he goes about and he does his, his, his business in finding Peter. Well, the second vision and the second call goes to this man named Peter, who is a Jew, but who is a follower of Jesus. And if you remember this, uh, God gives Peter this vision, this vision of a sheet that comes down from heaven, and on this sheet is an all-you-can-eat menu from Gary Lee's Barbecue and Southern Soul. That's on the menu. Pulled pork and wild Georgia shrimp, that's on the menu. Now why is that a big deal? Because Jews didn't eat defiled food. Are you with me? They had a special diet, and pork and shrimp and some other things that we love or not on that diet. And Peter says to this vision, he says to God, I don't think so, God. I am not doing that. And what does God say? Peter, you're crazy to tell me no. Isn't that right? That's what it says in the Greek. You're crazy. Don't ever tell me no. And so God gives Peter, you read the text, God gives Peter this vision three times. Now note this, whenever God says something three times, you better know that he means business. You better believe it. When he does it three times, you need to listen because this is important. And so he says to Peter, you do this. You go take care of this. Now, let me ask you this question. Why would God do all of this? Why would God have Cornelius reach out to a man by the name of Peter? What's the role of Peter in all of this by taking the gospel to the Gentiles? Why is God doing this through Peter? Well, turn over with me to Matthew chapter 16 real quick. I've gotta set this up. Go to Matthew 16. In Matthew chapter 16, you're familiar with the story. I've preached on this story. This is, this is the story, this is the retelling of Peter's confession of Christ. Jesus took his disciples uh, to Caesarea of Philippi, which was one of the most demon-possessed, ungodly locations in all of the land of Israel. There was even a, a cave in the, the mountains there in Caesarea Philippi, and it was called 
the gates of Hades or the gates of hell. And sacrifices took place there. It was, a, it was an ungodly place. But pick up in verse number 13. It's on the screen behind me as well. But when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Remember this story? And Jesus says, who do people say I am? And the disciples tell him. They give him answers. And, but then he looks at Peter and, and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, in verse number 16, Peter says this, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. What a great statement, amen? This is Jesus. You're the Christ. You're not just a prophet. You're not just a good man. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the one that God had prophesied all in the Old Testament. We are here in your presence. You are the man. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you've got it right. You have it right. And he says in verse 18, Peter, upon this rock, meaning his confession of who Jesus is, Jesus says, Peter, um, uh, based upon your confession, I will build my church, and the church will be unstoppable. Amen? It says the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Jesus says, my church cannot be overrun because it's based upon the confession that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Powerful words. Now look at verse number 19. Because in verse number 19, it can get a little confusing, but you're going to see this ties in directly to Acts chapter 10. Well, in, Acts, in Matthew 16, verse 19, Jesus then says to Peter, Peter, I'm going to give you some keys. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now why in the world would Jesus tell Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven? What do keys do? It unlocks, it opens doors. Well here in Acts chapter 10, God uses Peter to do what? Unlock the doors of the gospel to the Gentiles. What you see in Acts chapter 10 is a fulfillment of Matthew chapter 16. Jesus told Peter, I'm going to do something new through you, and I'm giving you the keys, and you're going to open up the door to this group of people that you know as the Gentiles. Well, let's see how God uses Peter to open the doors of the kingdom of, the, of, the, of heaven for the Gentiles. Follow along with me in verse number 17. And if you're with me this morning, say amen. amen. Verse number 17, and we're going to read this text and make our points through this. Verse 17, it says, now while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be. Remember, this is the vision of, of Southern Soul and Gary Lee's barbecue. So he's perplexed, saying, God, what does this mean? And behold, men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, just appeared at the gates. And calling out, they asked whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Hey, Peter, there are three men who are looking for you. Verse 20, you get up, you go downstairs, and you accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. 
Peter went down to the men and said, behold, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come looking for me? Verse 22, and they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. Verse 23, the first part of verse 23, so he invited them in and he gave them lodging. Write this down. Here's what God does with Peter and why God uses Peter. And this is applicable to us today. God uses people who are surrendered to him. Peter is ultimately surrendered to God himself. Peter's a follower of Jesus. And when Peter is, is meditating on this ver or this vision, you can almost see Peter thinking, okay, thinking about all the words that Jesus ever said to him while Jesus was on this earth, and he's reflecting on what does this mean. Look at verse number 17. It says that Peter is, is reflecting on it, meaning he's asking God questions. Folks, this is what we do. Whenever God speaks to us, whether it's through his word or sometimes he reveals himself through, through, um, through prayer, through other people, through, through circumstances, you've got to reflect on what God is doing in your life. You have to take a moment back and say, what is God saying? What is he, what is he doing? In verse 19, it says that Peter is meditating on, on this vision. And the idea is that Peter is just going over and over and over again what this vision is, meaning he wants to know what God has said. He wants to know because he wants to be in obedience with Jesus Christ because Peter has surrendered to Jesus. Peter has already told Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I will, I will be with you. And he's heard Jesus say this, that if you do not pick up your cross and follow me daily, you cannot be my disciple. Peter has already made that decision, and now he is he's, he's saying to God, God, I want to be used by you, and here I am. I just want to know what you have for me to do. Now, Peter has surrendered. Richard Baxter, who is a theologian of the 16th, 17th century, he said this, and this is a great quote. He said this, a surrendered life in the hands of a holy God is a fearful thing. A surrendered life in the hands of a holy God is a fearful thing. And so when it comes to God looking for a few good men and women, here's what God is looking for. God is looking for men and women who are surrendered to him. And so I ask you this morning, are you completely surrendered to Jesus Christ? Have you completely surrendered every aspect of your life, every relationship, every penny that you earn, everything that you say, every act, every thought, have you surrendered everything to Jesus Christ and are you submissive to him? The Bible uses a word for surrender. When we surrender ourselves to God, um, the Bible uses a word, and, and it's the word, are you ready for this? The Bible uses a word, and it's the word called broken. Brokenness. Meaning this, God uses broken people. God uses broken people. And this is a divine principle that you see all throughout scripture. That God will often break people. Anybody with me? Where God will break you. 
He will humble you. You will never see in scripture God continually using a prideful man or a prideful woman because that's against God's character. Are you with me? Y'all awake this morning? If you're not awake, let's go take a walk through the baptism waters because it's cold. (laughs) God doesn't use prideful people. As a matter of fact, all throughout the New Testament, God says this to us as what I'll reference as New Testament believers. He says, humble yourselves. He says, humble yourselves. And in due time, God will then lift you up. But one of the key characteristic traits of a follower of Jesus Christ, it's humility. It's brokenness. Yesterday, as I was uh, speaking at a ladies' conference yesterday, and I spoke on God's timing, and God's timing is perfect. I had two ladies come up to me afterwards in tears because of two tragic things that were going in their life that God was, was, was working in their lives and was breaking them, but it was devastating things. One lady came up to me yesterday and said this. Uh, uh, they called me Dr. Winford, which was pretty awesome. And so uh, <laughs> that was cool. Yes. <laughs> this lady comes up to me in tears and she said, can you help me because I don't know what to do right now because my husband of 30 years, two days ago said, I'm divorcing you and I'm out of my marriage. Folks, that's brokenness. That's brokenness. And I couldn't do anything about it except just pray with her and pray that God would use her through her brokenness. And then seconds after she, she left, another lady came up to me and, and, and just began to share things with me about, about uh, some decisions that she and her husband had made which they thought was a good thing and, and this good thing turned out to be a bad thing and harmed their son physically harmed their son, and now there are some ramifications from the harm that came 20 years later, and this lady's broken. Weeping. Physically shaking because of the brokenness that she's going to. Listen, church, listen. God uses people who are broken. And if you've never been broken, and if you have never submitted yourself and surrendered yourself to Christ Jesus, meaning that you yourself have humbled yourself, meaning that you yourself have bowed your knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, if you've never done that, let me warn you, he will break you. If you continue to live in defiance, if you continue to disobey what we have already been commanded to do, if you continue to ignore whatever his word says, listen, I'm telling you, I'm warning you, he will break you, and you don't want to be broken by God. And every single one of us can give a testimony to that, amen? That in our pride, In our pride, we said, no, God, I really don't care what you're going to say. I'm going to do it my way. 
Listen, if that's you this morning, church, if that's you in your marriage, if that's you in relationships, if that's, if that's you with money, if that's, with, if, that's, if that's how you treat people with your arrogance and with your pride, just, if you don't go away from anything this morning, go away from this great encouragement, you be warned that there will be a moment when God will knock on that door and will break you of your pride and your arrogance. Amen? Amen. That's so encouraging. Thank you, Pastor Chris. What's the point? God uses people who are surrendered to him. He wants you. He wants all of you. Um, you remember when uh, Jesus was feeding the 5,000? You remember the story? And tells his disciples to, go out to, to collect the, the fish and the loaves. You know what Jesus did with the loaves? He got the loaves of bread. And you know what he did before he passed it out and used it? What did he do? He broke it. Have you been broken? Broken of your sin, broken of your pride, so that you can be used by God. God uses people who are broken, and he's using Peter here. Has Peter been broken before in the past? Yes. What did Peter say to Jesus at one time? Oh, I will never deny you. And Jesus said, yeah, right. That rooster's gonna crow, what, three times, three times. And what did Peter do? Peter had already denied Jesus three times. The rooster crows, and Peter is broken. But Jesus restores him. But Peter's having to be broken again here because of his arrogance related to Gentiles and Jews. And he's gonna be surrendered. And he's surrendering his life to him. Well, let's keep reading. Y'all still with me? Verse 23, and on the next day he got up and he went away with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius, verse 24, was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Stop there. In the margins of your Bibles, write this. This is the first friend day in the church era. Okay, all right, verse 25. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshiped him. Ha, huh, somebody worshiping Peter, ha. Huh. But Peter raised him up saying, nope, stand up, I'm just a man. Side note, Peter is just a man. Are you with me? If you have Roman Catholicism in your background, again, I'm not here to offend you, but I just wanna show Peter's not the Pope. Because what does the Pope say to people when they, when they come into his presence? Are you with me? Are you with me? Kiss the ring. Peter says, get up. You get up. I'm just a man. There you go. I will probably have to apologize for that next Sunday. Verse 27, as he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. So there's a room full of people. And Peter says to them, listen to what he says, verse 28, and he said, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew like me to associate with you. Yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. This is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask for whatever reason you have sent for me. I want you to write this down. God uses people who decide to pay the cost. This is a big deal for Peter. Peter's a Jew. 
The Jewish people have been taught by what's called the Mishnah. The Mishnah is a rabbinical teachings of the Old Testament. It's commentary on the Old Testament. It's not biblical, it's not the truth, it's just commentary on it. Unfortunately, the Jewish people elevated the Mishnah on the same level as the Old Testament. And the Mishnah said that a Jew could not associate with a, uh, a, with, with a Gentile, could not eat, could not even go into their house. And so here's Peter, a Jew, who has surrendered to Jesus, who has surrendered to God, and now he's being asked to go into a Gentile's home, and Peter has decided to pay the cost. He has decided that God has told him something, that God has said, no man is unclean. Do not call something unclean that I call clean. So Peter has decided, you know what? I'm gonna go with God on this rather than tradition. That's what Peter is saying here. He's saying, I'm, a, I'm going to pay the cost. If, if, if I'm gonna get in trouble, then I'm going to err on the side of what Jesus Christ says. Meaning I will never put something above scripture or on the same level of scripture that is never supposed to be on that same level. Meaning commentaries or traditions. Now I love tradition. I like traditions, but can we be honest for just a second? There are some things about tradition that just aren't what? Biblical. Uh-oh. I'll apologize for that again too, I'm sure. Are you with me? And one of the things that's difficult in leading a multi-generational church is traditions. Are you with me? That's hard. But the things that we have to do as believers in Christ Jesus is we have to determine whether or not our traditions are biblical or whether they are man's rules and laws. That's hard to do, isn't it? But we must never, hear me out, we must never elevate man's rules and laws onto the same level of scripture. Never. And students and young people, that goes for you Old people, that goes for you as well. Older people, not old people, that was kind of crass. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you're an old person, I'm sorry. I've decided to change the title of my message to How to Apologize. But what we see Peter doing, let's get back to Peter, is that he decides to pay the cost. And he decides to say, you know what? I'm gonna go with God on this one. And if people get mad at me for breaking man's traditions, so be it. And folks, isn't that true with us when it comes to following Jesus? That we have to count the cost that when we count the cost and we decide to follow Jesus, here's what it means, and young people, there's times that we have to choose Jesus over our friends and over what people think. And that is one of the most difficult things in the world to do. But God uses people who do that. 
and God uses them mightily. Well, pick up in verse number 30. Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer's been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is called Peter, to come to you. And, and so, uh, thir- verse 33, so I sent for you, and now that you are here, Peter, verse 33, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Verse 33 is a preacher's dream to hear. That we're all ready to hear your word. This is a dream. This is a desire that we're ready to hear God's word. But write this down because Peter's about to do something. This is how God uses him. God uses people who dare to trust God's promises. God uses people who are surrendered. God uses people who count the cost, and here, God uses people who dare to trust his promise. Now, what do you mean, pastor? How is Peter trusting God's promise? Well, let's read what Peter does. You ready? Verse 34, opening his mouth, Peter said, I now know that God is not one to show partiality. You see it? He says, I get it, the vision, the sheet. I get it, it's not about food, it's about men, it's about women, it's about all of us. God does not show partiality, meaning this, look what he says in verse 35, meaning, but in every nation the man who fears him, God, and does what is right is welcome to him. Here's what Peter is saying, Peter is saying, listen, I trust that God desires all men, all women to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I believe that all people, Whether you were born in America, whether you were born in Mexico, Canada, or Russia, you know England, Ukraine, it doesn't matter where you were born, your ethnicity is not a prerequisite to becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. Your skin color, which is God given to you, is not a prerequisite for you to become a believer in Jesus Christ. Your language, your culture, it is not a prerequisite to become a believer in Jesus Christ. All that is required of you to become a believer in Jesus Christ is this, is that you have a heartbeat. That's all the prerequisite is. And everybody who has a heartbeat stands in need of a Savior and stands in need of Jesus Christ. Everybody. And here's what I find so unique in this whole story. is that God asks Peter to change. God has not asked Cornelius, the non-believer, to change. Are you with me, church? Who's God talking to most of them? He's talking to Peter. He's saying, Peter, believer, the church, you need to get past attitudes that keep you from sharing the gospel with people who do not look like you. One commentary said this, one scholar said this, see if I can find it in my notes, he said this, often the problem is with the church and not the lost when it comes to sharing the gospel. This is Acts 10. God does not tell Cornelius, hey Cornelius, you need to change, you need to get your life right before you come to me. No, God told Cornelius, you go find a believer, he's got a message for you. And God says to Peter, the believer, you need to get up and you need to change who you talk to. Is that not convicting 
That cuts to the core. But because Peter does this, the gospel goes to the Gentiles. Because Peter is willing to be used by God. And so people, if you are willing to be used by God, this morning I challenge you, you surrender to him. You give every ounce of your being to him and you allow him to use you. If you want to be used by God, then you decide to pay the cost. You have to make that decision now that you will pay the cost to do whatever it takes to be used by him. And then lastly, you need this. You need to trust God and his promises. That you step out in faith and you trust him. You trust him. You tell people about him, he will take care of the fruit. All you need to do is trust him and tell others about him. You trust him, and you let God take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. And what happens when Peter does that? You and I get the gospel. Isn't that good? Aren't you thankful that somebody before you was willing to be a messenger of the gospel so that you could hear the gospel? Let's be that for somebody who doesn't look like us, who doesn't talk like us, who doesn't think like us. But let's be willing to be the hands and the feet of Jesus because God's looking for you. He wants to use you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. And Father, I thank you that you are a God who uses people. I thank you that you are a God who who wants to involve us in your work. And so Father, I pray this morning that somebody here in their heart and their spirit would just communicate with you by saying, God, I surrender my life to you. That I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. That my answer is yes to you. I pray that somebody is answering that to you at this moment. I pray that there's somebody here right now who is praying through and wrestling through, deciding to pay the cost and and, and fleshing out what it means to follow you and and wrestling with the idea that it may mean I need to uh, get a new group of friends, I need to uh, uh, change businesses, or I need to stop doing something differently. Father, let their answer right now be yes to you, to be used by you. And then, Father, for the rest of us, may we trust your promise that when we share the gospel, you will bring forth fruit. God, may we be people to be used by you. God, we say to you as a church, we want to be a church, a group of people to be used by you to reach the Golden Isles, to reach Georgia, to reach the nations, to reach everybody in the world. Use us. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.